Welcome to Retail Nightmares Podcast. My name is Alicia Tobin. I'm here with my co-host, Jessica Delisle. Hi. I've just heard through the grapevine you may have a nut-related injury. Yeah, I busted a nut too hard. Oh, nuts! <laughs> In my mouth, and it cut my mouth. But I'm fine. It's fine. That's some hard love and nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, we have an amazing a return guest, an incredibly special guest, a friend of the podcast, uh, Papo for Life. He is a filmmaker. He's a comedian. He's just about to release his first comedy album called Airports Animals. It's our favorite guy, Sean Devlin. Hello. Hi. 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 Thank you for having me. It's been yeah. a while. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah. Sean's been busy too. Before COVID, you were working on films in the US of A. Yeah. That that scary, scary place. Yeah. yeah. How long were you there for? I was there for a year and a half and then and then I came back when uh, the city of Los Angeles declared a state of emergency. So <laughs> surreal, yeah. But uh, I'm happy to be here because it's different and nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome home. Yeah, it's Thank nice you. to have you here, even though uh, no one is doing anything. <laughs> it's just nice to know. Yeah, it feels like everything's in right in its place when everybody's home in a strange way. In a controlling, omnipresent way that I like to imagine myself. Um, Sean, we've missed you. You're wearing a beautiful yellow shirt, and just behind it is something purple, and I really like that combination. And you're wearing blue shorts. Yeah, there's a lot of color. Mm -hmm. I might wear the sweatshirt later if it gets cold. It's a great look. That's foreshadowing. That's foreshadowing that nobody will notice. Something to look forward to. Yeah. I love it. (laughs) So should we just jump in? Um... To a round of retail nightmares. I mean, Sean, you're, we should give you as much time as you need. So why don't we get started? Great. Okay. So I have two stories. One was short and one was long. Is there? A you can preference? do both. Yeah, your choice. Yeah. Okay. Well, Best I mean, choice. Yeah, I'll start with the the short one because it's it's a short story in part because um, the job only lasted a day. Um, <laughs> Perfect. And what happened was I was hired to sell vacuum cleaners for the company Dyson. Oh, oh fancy. fancy. <laughs> on, I don't know how much you know about the vacuum selling industry, but basically the biggest stage for it in our city of Vancouver, which is the BC Home Show at BC Place. Ah. And so there's a bunch of people selling stuff there, and I was hired to um, show how Dyson vacuums work. This was about 15 years ago, cool. and they said that they, that they liked me because they were um, the whole idea with their vacuums was they were marketing it as the vacuum for men who like power tools. Oh, okay. Only them, or <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I don't. I also don't know why they thought I would be good for that because I'm <laughs> you're, not. You're I have a beard. Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're walking I, around going, oh, 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 all the time. Yeah, I'm known as Canada's Tim the Toolman Taylor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, up until recently, that was what you were known for. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was uh, it was a job that was supposed to last through the the extent of the the BC Home Show, and uh, they the catch was they told me that there was a dress code, which I understand. That's normally part of a job. Um, and so I had to wear businessy slacks and a collared shirt 
But the only thing I didn't have was they said I had to wear black leather dress shoes. Okay. And I feel like I've bought clothes for other jobs in the past. Like, have you ever had to buy clothing to for a job? I guess it's yeah. pretty common. But it just felt like it wasn't enough days of work to warrant the purchase. Yeah. Because even at its cheapest, I think it's like a $30. I've still not bought... This is 15 years ago, and I'm realizing I still haven't bought black dress shoes. But I think <laughs> they cost $30. At that point, I didn't. I was optimistic it would be four days of work. Mm. But I still did the math and determined that it was, you know, too much money for me to shell out. And so instead, I went to Chinatown... And I went into a store and I found a <laughs> pair of um, black soft fabric slippers. Oh. Yes, the classic Chinese slipper with the brown sole, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I love those. Still black from a distance. Looks like a shoe. <laughs> and they were like $3 or something. Great. So I bought those. And, and then I went to the home show in my slippers. <laughs> And started demonstrating these vacuums. Um, It was really intense. I've never worked inside of a trade show like that. Oh, they're Um, so weird. Yeah, there's so much going on. I mean, it was fascinating. I was more interested in what other people were selling, to be be honest. Like right across from our thing was a shower that had um, had tanning lights built into it. It was like a standing shower that you could tan inside. I hate um, it. <laughs> sounds very dangerous. It sounds very dangerous. My idea yeah. of hell, like the both things combined. Ugh. Yeah. It's, you know, I love, I love tanning at one point in my life, but even this for me is, it's not good. Yeah. The funny part was the person demonstrating that, like, cause you can't really demonstrate it. So it was just <laughs> like a person who was fully clothed, who would go into this shower and pretend to turn the water on and then turn all these bright lights on. Uh, and it just looked horrifying. But um, were they I, very tanned? They were very tanned. Oh, yeah. This is great. Of course. How could you focus on the airplane yeah. Dyson motor vacuum when you have all of this out this going on around you? It's too yeah. much stimulation for a creative person. Like a circus. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was definitely like a circus. And because people are really, you know, all these sales, some of them are very experienced. So they're. You know, they've really perfected their performance, so to speak. So I was really taken uh, with that, just what everyone else was doing. But um, yeah, I had to focus on these these vacuums. Didn't own a vacuum at the time. Hardwood <laughs> floors. So I had to first learn how to use the vacuum, how to use this Dyson vacuum. Um, they really wanted me to focus on explaining how, as a man, I really wow. like this vacuum. <laughs> Really gets you going. Mm. And there was also some, um, <laughs> some, <laughs> some, yeah. Jessica, you're a pervert. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they wanted me to be pervy. That was kind of the sales pitch. Um, but they, there was also some deception, um, which was there was a jar of fake dirt <gasps> and you had to scatter it on this carpet. And then vacuum it up. And then you were supposed to say certain lines. You know, I don't have children, so none of this was real. But I had to be like, you know, when your kids come home and they don't take the shoes off. <laughs> oh, no. Just like kind of cloying references like that. And then 
Um, and then you would scatter the dirt and then kind of stomp around on it. So whichever character you had chosen, if it was children, you had to like walk on the dirt, kind of act it out, which if you've seen my stand-up, I don't do act-outs. So <laughs> even that was a stretch. Um, so yeah, you stomp around the fake dirt and then you vacuum it up and people are always impressed. But part of the reason they're impressed isn't just because the vacuum cleans up the dirt as it should. It's also because this fake dirt was secretly a bunch of like ground up cinnamon chemical substance. What? So mm. the idea was after you vacuumed, not only was the carpet visually clean, but it suddenly smelled like cinnamon buns. <gasps> Whoa. Whoa. I would have bought a hundred dice. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a lie that you had to do. So there's a, it's a psychological thing too. Like it's, you're ma manipulating them with all sorts of lies and yeah. experiences. Like it's the experience, not only a visual experience, it's a, it's a, a, a sense, a sense experience. It's, it's not auditory. That's the wrong word. Aromatic. Uh, yeah. Wow. Very manipulating. Yeah, and I guess, yeah, because it was this big sensory lie, I thought, no one's going to have an issue with me wearing these comfy slippers. <laughs> no, of course not. But sure enough, after a couple hours, the uh, the manager, supervisor guy came around and watched me do my, my demonstration. And he took me aside after. And uh, he said, I, are you wearing dress shoes? And I said, Fuck. yeah. <laughs> I mean, because as you've already seen, everything was a lie. So yeah. why not lie? So I said, yeah, these are dress shoes. And he said, I don't, I don't think they are. <laughs> he said, they look like slippers. I said, no, they're not slippers. And he said, can I touch them? Oh. <laughs> and I said, no, I don't want you to touch my feet. <laughs> And I refused to let him touch my my slippers. <laughs> and he took that as an indication that I was lying. And, and I was fired on the spot. What a jerk. That's gross. But don't, don't complain to Dyson. I mean, <laughs> they weren't dress shoes. They were slippers. But like you dressed yourself in them. So. Yeah. They're that's dress true. Shoes. That's a good point, Jessica. <laughs> it's like, are these slippers shoes? Is this dirt dirt? I don't know. I don't know what it, what ends yeah. up anymore, sir. There's a shower that tans people. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's also like, again, not a very experienced vacuum user, but I feel like, what do you vacuum in more? Dress shoes or slippers? Mm, stilettos. <laughs> stilettos, yeah. <laughs> it's my thing. Images from the 1950s, yeah. I love that it was like a vacuum marketed to men. Yeah. It's fa fascinating. You need your hiking boots on, your real yeah. man, your steel-toed. What's like oh, yeah, a man shoe? Like yeah, I should have just gone in like hockey skates. No, women play hockey too. I don't know. There's uh, no good answers here. Fire, fire fighting boots, the ones that like fold over on the top. Not that uh, people who are not men can't be firefighters, but it's like a very rugged heavy shoe yeah i should have just made shoes out of my beard i should have shaved my beard <laughs> like pony hair but just sean hair yeah sean hair shoes oh um so yeah very short-lived um but actually maybe you should complain to dyson because i'm only realizing this now i i suppressed this part they didn't pay me i was just gonna ask what? did they pay you they did not pay me and i'm i forgot that not cool 
So that that part was upsetting. I mean, it was only like a, an afternoon's work, but still. But so you're yeah. out like the three dollars for those slipper dress shoes. Did you ever wear those slipper dress shoes again? As slippers, not okay. in any uh, professional setting. <laughs> there was a time in my childhood, maybe between five and seven, where having a pair of those slippers was very cool. And, uh, you know, I should have known at that age, by that age, I was starting to learn that my feet uh, are not for fun shoes. They're not for delicate shoes. But I remember how proud I was. I had the kind that were kind of like a Mary Jane. And we had to go down to Chinatown to get them. So get in the car, go all the way to Chinatown from the suburb of Montreal. And they're very special. Uh, so I, I approve of those shoes. Um, we have talked about this on the podcast several times where a job, you know, you're you're just starting a job and there's some sort of requirement that you, you have to buy into the job just to have the job. And like, whether it's a uniform, like at the store where I worked, you had to buy a suit. You had to buy a three-piece suit to get wow. a job at this place. And it, it turned out to be illegal uh, because in BC, oh. if you're required a uniform, the company has to provide it for you. Mm -hmm. And they have to clean it for you as well, which the company oh. did not do. Um, but I remember being so like, you know, I was like, 24 i just moved here i was like on my last like hundred dollars in my bank account and they're like okay yeah you've got the job you just need to buy this suit but don't worry it's 75 percent off so it will only be 200 dollars or something oh no <laughs> yeah and i just i didn't have the money i had to borrow the money from my dad to, so i could have like a suit to wear to this job that was pretty soul crushing yeah because you're working your way out of a hole that's that yeah yeah, yeah. You're starting at a loss. My loss mm. was only $3. So the fact that yeah. that was 200 Smarter that's than extreme. I am. This is reminding me. This is, I mean, this is kind of a job. So it's like kind of related. I'm going to say it works. That counts. But I, uh, years ago, I had to play a show at the Commodore. I was in a band that was opening for the new pornographers Whoa. two nights in a row. And I was not like one of the main people in the band. I was uh, like featured mainly. There was like one song I did a duet on, but otherwise I was just sort of like a backup singer. And I wasn't the only backup singer, but all the other backup singers decided that what we should all wear is black dresses. And there was one sort of lead backup singer. She wasn't really the lead, but she sort of made herself the lead. Um, and she was like, we're all going to wear black because she only liked to wear black. And I was like, OK, I don't own anything black. Uh, so like really the only thing that I had that was black was a dress I wore at my dad's funeral. And I was like, I don't want to wear that <laughs> on stage. Yeah. Like that's uh, <laughs> too depressing. You know, and I was younger. I was probably like 20 five or something 26 and I was just like shit I gotta get this black dress like I gotta I don't I have to look perfect like there's all this pressure so I looked everywhere and it was sort of like a last minute thing because I thought I could just wear whatever I wanted to um but I bought this dress and I think it was a hundred dollars okay. it was like a black dress that was a hundred dollars wow. and it was a nice dress that looked good and then I like we had to play the next night too and it was like, well, you can't wear the same dress two nights in a row. So I was like, I got to get a fucking another dress. Like, I don't I can't afford what? this. But then Sally, former guest Sally White, uh, generously lent me a black dress of hers that I wore. So I didn't wear the same thing twice. Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing it up is because I've just been doing a giant spring clean in the sort of hopes that one day I will have people over 
to my house again. I will be hosting visitors maybe, you know, within a few months. It'll happen. It'll happen. But I've realized that I have just sort of been hanging on to everything over the past year because it's been, you know, it's been so uncertain, like what's going to happen. So I'd be like, well, I should probably hang on to this cardboard box because you don't know, like, you know, if you order something (laughs) online, just be like, I don't know what what I'll need. So I've just been keeping everything. (laughs) <laughs> Sean's, Sean's looking around him his well.ca box seeing his collection of, of cardboard boxes a bunch boxes. of water um, yeah and it's yeah it's sort of like that like mentality of you just need to be prepared for everything and I realized that I like my closet was getting so full I'm pretty sure like I am everyone's little sister like I am like <laughs> where all the clothes go when everyone else is done with them and I appreciate it People like Alicia, very generous, like with their stuff. But I realized I had like so much stuff in my closet. I couldn't like physically fit anything. And it was also like it was so tight that I couldn't get anything out of it. So I decided to do a giant cull of everything and try everything on. And so I realized there's so many things in there that I never got a chance to wear. And now none of them fit. And one of them was that dress that I spent $100 on to wear Mm. one night at the Commodore uh, but I gave it to a uh, former guest, Kelly Ogmanson, and it fit her perfect and she liked it. So that's perfect. And was it a good show? It was a great show. And yeah. also uh, I ran into my ex there who was like working there and didn't know, like I hadn't seen in a long time. And my, uh, my bandmate had just done my hair and makeup. And so I looked like great. And I was in this like brand new dress and we ran into each other and he was like, oh, I didn't know you were in a band. And I was like, I didn't know you worked here. And it was, you know, that like moment that you dream of mm-hmm. when like someone was shitty to you and then you just sort of like show them how how great your life is. It happened. Like it Amazing. actually happened. And I didn't plan. You didn't it. know you owned a black dress. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no one did until I walked out on that stage and wowed everyone. I just want to say um, telling somebody they have to buy two dresses for a show is fucking crazy. And sucks. Yeah. A lot of dresses. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot of, especially like a, that sort of someone deciding what everyone should look like really reminds me of high school. Yeah. And, it felt like that. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, oof. I'm not, I'm not friends with that person anymore. It's okay. This, this isn't my story, so I won't tell the story, but Aaron Reed, who I'm sure is a uh, beloved. Many time guest. I saw him once. He played in a band. I won't say the band, but I saw him once playing a show in New York with this band and they had all clearly um, been made to wear white pants. (laughs) And I could, because I knew Aaron so well, I could just really tell that he didn't like this. (laughs) I'm pretty sure I know exactly what band you're talking about. And one of the people who was in that band was in the band that I was in wearing a black dress. Oh, maybe that's where they got the idea. Recurring theme. Okay. It wasn't, it wasn't the person who had who had this sort of uh, taken the lead role, but it, they were friends with them. And I was like, <sighs> I like that when I come on the podcast, it seems that there's always at least one character who shall not be named. <laughs> oh yeah. The devil. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, we always name him, her, yeah. them. <laughs> um, Jessica, do you have a retail experience, a retail dream, a retail nightmare? I've just been cleaning for what seems like the past week. Again, because I just like, you know, we've all sort of been in the stasis. 
It's cleaning story part two. You know, when you don't really realize how like gungy things have gotten until you like it gets out of hand and you're like, oh, my God. Every week I think about hiring someone to remove the gunge because I just can't I can't work full time, survive the survive this time in my life and have yeah. a pet uh, and remove the gunge. Have you heard of 1-800-GOT-GUNGE? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm putting it in my phone. <laughs> um, I am that person. I am the gunk lady. There's a character I played. Um, my friend, former guest Fiona Hernandez, years ago, did like when we, she was at Emily Carr, she did this art installation where she was trying to make a waterfall come out of her second story apartment window. So she had like these tanks and these tubes of water. Of course, it went badly and uh, she went up flooding her apartment. Um, but she was filming the whole thing. And it was also, it was happening when it was snowing. So I was wearing like snow pants and I was helping her. But so <laughs> I was helping mop up like all the water that had um, flooded everywhere. And you know when you're just sort of like absentmindedly doing a task and you sort of start like narrating what you're doing and like maybe you start talking in an accent and like singing a little song. <laughs> anyway, I sort of became this other person. It was kind of like a off-brand Mrs. Doubtfire, but she was called Gunk Lady. And she was just like, oh, all the gunk, oh, like sweep up the gunk, like mop up the gunk. And I was just <laughs> sort of like doing that and not, I had forgotten that the cameras were rolling. And anyway, like, a week later when she had to present her work to her class at university and have a critique on it. And it was playing afterwards. They're having a, dis a discussion and she was like, and then gunk lady came on and I like was frantically trying to like stop it. Anyway, I'm, I've just been gunk lady. Um, I spent all day cleaning my windows. Mm. Inside or outside? Started with inside, but then moved to outside. Um, I live on the ground floor, so it's not too hard to do the outside. Um, but I live in an old building and the windows are like original from when the building was made, maybe in the 60s. And they're not like the seals have long dried up and stopped working. Like if it rains, they're wet, <laughs> like inside as well. It's not great in this climate because it rains a lot. And I worry about what Jay and I may be breathing in. Mm -hmm. And so it gets to the point where I'm like, I got to clean this. And I, you know, there's no good way to clean. It's like very complicated and awkward. So I was like cleaning with cotton balls and Q-tips and like a toothpick to like scrape out the gunk. And I was just like, I'm gunk lady. And then I realized <laughs> that if you clean it with an SOS pad, this was after maybe like six hours of cleaning. You figured something out though. But like, if I would have started with the SOS pad, I would have been done by now. I would have been like relaxing. Yeah, I've just been having cleaning madness. And I went to uh, shoppers to get more SOS pads because I only had one. And I was standing there and I felt like I was losing my mind because I couldn't see SOS pads anywhere. And then I asked someone if they had them. And he was like, we have our own brand. And it's just like a big yellow box that says soap pads. Yep. And I was like... <laughs> I have a oh, box of, of them. Soap pads. You never know when you're going to need an off-brand SOS pad. They work just as well. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people have hastily gotten into the cleaning business in the last uh, year and a half. For sure. Like we also make cleaning pads and yeah, sanitation wipes and yeah, it's been a it's, golden age. 
It really totally. has. Not in my apartment, though, apparently. It's just been getting worse and worse. But it all started with like, I was like, I'm going to repot all my plants because I didn't do anything to them like all last year. And I was like, they could all use like a nice repotting. So then, you know that, um, I think it's like a BBC Life documentary where all the hermit crabs line up to switch their shells over and they line mm-hmm. up by size. That's sort of when you are repotting all your plants, you have to do that, line up all the pots and like they all go up a size. So my apartment is just chaos. But then, of course, when you take everything off of the windowsills, you realize like everything's disgusting. So my repotting my plants uh, has now been like a two week ordeal of just cleaning. And yeah, it's stressing me out just hearing about I'm it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's really going nowhere. But it's going to be a happy ending when everyone comes over and is marveling at how clean your windowsills window are. are. Yeah. It's the how sort happy of thing your plants look that no one will notice because the plants are going to. Oh, be I'm going to look. I'm looking. You're going to host a dinner on the windowsill. Everyone's going to eat off of the windowsill. Oh, I wish. I wish my apartment was that big. Um, But it is the sort of thing because I've like taken all the plants out of their original soil because it's like there was no more nutrients left in there. And now it's taking me so long to get them into the new dirt that I think all of my plants are just going to (laughs) die like before I can get it. So it's like uh, my mind. This is what my job is now. Yeah. You're a housekeeper. Homemaker, homemaker. I've made my home and I have to live in it now. So my retail nightmare is I am currently working alone in my department and I, it is, I'm four days into the working alone and I have been yelled at every day by somebody who is a senior, um, including um, a person that gave me 10 separate feedback complaints in one message And had emailed the previous person in my role, who's not been in that role for three years, asking why I hadn't answered the phone. And the reason why I hadn't answered the phone is because I was busy. Um, So I immediately like got in touch with this person. He kept me on the phone for 45 minutes. And he had done this thing where he, you know, when someone wants to say something mean, but they kind of suppress it a bit. And they're like, kind of like you wouldn't get it. Or, Mm. you know, like you see how ridiculous this is or maybe you're Mm. not smart enough. Um, and I'm just trying to, uh, manage the amount of consumer interactions I'm having because they've, they've gone up by like 50% overnight and finally get him off the phone. And then I go to listen to his voice message and he's like, who the fuck do you think you are? And I was like, oh, so he's like extremely, uh, temperamental. And then he, he called back again today and told me he didn't think gluten allergies were real. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can see where you're coming from person with gluten allergy and the other person that yelled at me today misremembered how a product was made to the point where like it was ridiculous they're like why did you change this it was always individually wrapped and I was buying 20 of these a month and I've worked like I know absolutely for certain that that product was never like that and she just kept screaming at me that I was wrong and uh I just said is there any way that we could resolve this (laughs) as soon as possible (laughs) because I couldn't believe it and so we did and then I remembered after I got off the phone with them that I think that they did the same thing to me last year. And I sent them also $100 worth of free products. Oh, my gosh. So I'm getting played by this senior and I kind of respect it. Wow. <laughs> I kind of respect it. Your nemesis. Oh, it's just it's so draining to uh, deal with angry people that have time on their hands. Give me a quick angry person any day. Yeah. Busy, but, busy, angry yeah. person. Seniors that want to chat, you usually have a lot of compassion for them. Um, this week, a little bit low. Still love them. 
But oh, when they're mean, they're so mean. They've had years to perfect being mean. Or like, I'm only halfway yeah. through my life. Like, I'm only half as good as they are. And <laughs> I'm not allowed to do any of it. And they've, once you've reached like senior status, there's sort of like a certain amount of respect. You sort of like have to give a senior, even if they're awful, because you're just like. Yeah. And there could be like memory related issues going on too. And I want to be thoughtful around that. That happens. Like, it will happen to many of us that our memories won't be what they used to be. So, you know, extra care, extra time, no problem. But when they're really mean, it's a little bit harder. <laughs> so yeah. I am so looking forward to tomorrow. I'm going to log off a bit early just because I feel so sorry for myself. Um, Sean, you want to tell us your next retail nightmare? Well, yeah, this one is about um, also a, a man who I think he was in his late 50s. So there's an age connection. Is he a there. bad man? The dirty man? Oh, it's the dirty man. <laughs> I misremembered it as the bad man, too. And then I went back and listened. And I was like, oh, it's the dirty man. The dirty man. man. From oh, Sean's first episode. Yeah, years first ago. Appearance. Well, actually, so this is interesting. I also can't name this man. So we should come up with a name for him. The pervy man? I feel like I want to leave that up to your judgment. Okay. okay. I'll just say the lonely man. Oh, okay. Sure. That's okay. Lonely boy. That can hold a lot of different descriptors in it. And I'm willing to be um, criticized in your re reaction to this story because this happened about 14 years ago. I was younger and dumber and... Younger and dumber and full of cummer. Yes. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> it began on Craigslist where uh, <laughs> a man advertised in the marketing section where I got a lot of my jobs that he was looking for someone who was good at advertising to help him find someone to marry. Okay. That's how you do it. That's how I met Jay. That's so true. <laughs> Sean helped. You just drew a picture of a horse, and then he drew a picture of a horse, and then your two pictures of horses kissed, and that was and it. And we've been married ever since. <laughs> and so... I answered the, the post and uh, went down to meet him. And like most great businesses or romantic dreams, it started at um, Steamworks in, in Gastown. <laughs> which if you're not familiar with Vancouver, it's just kind of like a artisanal keg. Is that right? Yeah. It's like the keg. Yeah, it's like a very commercial, fake craft beer place. It's where my last high school reunion was that I attended oh. stupidly. I think it was like the one one year after we graduated. And I went because I heard that the school picked up the tab. Uh, but even that didn't make it worthwhile. Yeah, it's always d disappointing. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, and so I went there to meet him. He was very well dressed, very expensive suit. Dress shoes? Dress shoes. <laughs> You're petting them. Oh, real Let leather. me touch them. Let me verify <laughs> the leather. Oh, of course. <laughs> and uh, this this is not my own description, but um, uh, a friend at the time who I asked to look at a photo of this man said that he looked like an uglier Alec Baldwin. Okay. Oh, so just a ba Baldwin brother. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a better way. Yeah. <laughs> Any of the other Baldwins. Yeah. A lesser Baldwin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
stinky bald one. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry, did you say stinky Baldwin? Yeah. Okay, great. That's his name now, Stinky Baldwin. Yay. So, so Stinky Baldwin, he was kind of graying. And so I sat and chatted with him and basically he told me his a summary of his life story, which is that he was all work, work, work his whole life and was a millionaire. At least he told me I'm a millionaire. I've, I haven't met a lot of people. Actually, I think he's the only person I've ever met who told me I'm a millionaire and in a lot of different business, I don't know if I should say the businesses he was in. They weren't criminal, but I feel like you could identify him if I said the businesses. That's okay. Um, yeah. So he said he had devoted his life to making money and that had worked out, but that he had failed to find love. And uh, I'm a big softie and I really thought that. You know, this is someone I should be involved with. I, I felt for him. Sure. And he said that he had realized he had very little time to uh, get married and have children based on his age and that he needed to do it in the next um, two years. Wow. Okay. And what he had done is he had devised a business plan for how to find a wife. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> That's how it works. Mm -hmm. This guy, no, he gets it. And I was one of the key hires. And so his, his plan was, he said, I'm, you know, I'm going to step away from my business, which is a very big business, but I'm going to like willingly retire, but I'm going to do it in 18 months. And so in that 18 month period, I need to meet someone and sort of graduate them up the level to marriage quality so that as soon as I retire, I immediately get married Oh, my gosh. So it was this kind of quarterly business. Like, it was all timed out over the course of two years for him. For terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So, 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 yeah, he explained that he was looking for people to help him. So he said he's that he, he can't do, um, you know, social settings, couldn't go to bars. Like, all that stuff didn't work for him. You were in a bar. We were in a bar. <laughs> <laughs> But he said he just hadn't had any luck in these settings. Okay. And so he wanted people who had marketing skills to explain who he was, like really sell him. He wants a matchmaker, a professional matchmaker. It's a career that exists. It's a career that exists, but I feel like the qualification I need to make now is that I was not a pickup artist. So it wasn't like teaching him how to trick women into things. It was more like he was like, I have a very specific vision for who I want to marry, and I need you to cast a wide net through the magic of marketing and identify candidates, and I will go on dates and, sorry, it gets grosser. I'm, so he said, if I go on a date, well, first of all, he said, you won't be the only person that I'm going to hire. Weird. I'm going to hire two people to do the same job. And the contract will be week to week. And if you're not producing results, I'm going to fire you. That's insane. That sounds like a reality TV show. <laughs> it sounds yeah, like weird science or something. Like, I need you to but make he's also a woman. Like, I'm wondering why he didn't use a professional matchmaker, because that's exactly what they do. Well, I guess this was 15 years ago. I don't know how common that was then. This is pre-hitch. I think it's pre-hitch. 
pre the film Hitch. I think it was like a thing in the nineties, though. Yeah, like, it was like a I, there's legit so much job. to know about this man. We'll never know, Sean. I'm yeah. so sorry. I should let you keep telling your story instead of interrupting with me saying just a matchmaker every thirty five seconds. No, that's that's a good point, and now I'm realizing probably the reason he didn't do that is because I was cheaper. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And that, that would fit with his whole ruthless businessman, I'm going to fall in love plan. <laughs> and that he knows better than other people. He knows yes. the way to do it. Yeah, that's very classic. I think I know what sort of person this is, because the way you said, like, he told you he was a millionaire. I think I have met someone who's like this, and they're, like, very proud of how well they've done for themselves, but they've done it by cutting every single corner possible. And like using Craigslist to find someone to find them a wife seems like it's just part of a larger pattern, I'm thinking. Yeah, I mean, I think the baffling thing to me was like, what was he planning to tell the woman who he theoretically was going to marry? Because at some like, was he going to never credit me? I want credit. You would have been involved, though, somehow, right? Would you like? Yeah, it gets weirder. So Okay, yeah, go ahead. So sorry. so he said, um, so you'll be competing with this other person who will be doing your job. And I, as, you know, a young 20 something kind of leapt to prove myself. And I said, you know, a lot of people will offer to sell you through the dating websites, but I'm maybe the only person you're, you'll interview who is really good at face-to-face interactions. And that's a lot of my marketing experiences, you know doing things like selling vacuum cleaners at the BC Home Show. Didn't tell him that I was fired for wearing slippers. But, <laughs> but I said, I will like really get you out there in person. And uh, that was what I thought would give me an edge. So he hired me and he said, um, you know, if you uh, find someone who I can go on a date with, like, so this included, like I had to set up dating profiles for him. Um, and basically had to filter people out who didn't meet his marrying criteria, which was they had to be between the ages of 27 and 33. Okay, Perfect. so quite young. No smoking, mm. no previous marriages, no previous children, and had to do yoga. That's it. I don't, <laughs> I don't approve of any of that, but I, I participated, so I guess I'm implicated in all of this. So that was his criteria. So... I had to set up his dating profiles and then as as people submitted and kind of started sending in, you know, messages or whatever, I had to see if they met that criteria. And if they did, then I could contact him and tell him like, oh, I met someone through Match.com as you and they fit your criteria and they want to go on a date. And he's like, okay, I'll go on a date. And he said, if I start to date someone who you've introduced me to, I will pay you a bonus on top of your weekly wage for every week that I date them. God. Up to a maximum of eight weeks of dating at which the bonuses will stop, but you will also be paid a bonus if I marry them. And I'm not going to tell you the amount of that bonus because I'm going to tell it to you at my wedding which you're invited to. <laughs> I love this story. It's the best fucking story. It's like he sees that as like the ultimate treat that you yeah. get to come to this. What an honor, right? Like you made this momentous event happen. 
And there's a, a and and it's something that has a price tag. I love it. Yeah, and who doesn't want to go to a uh, apparently millionaire's wedding? A sham wedding. <laughs> I love it. So how do, so what happened next? I want to know everything. <laughs> so I did all the online stuff like match.com, plenty of fish, set them all up there with his story. And I'm a very honest person. So I was like, you know, really just saying, you know, this is who this is, blah, blah, blah. There was no real deception there. And then I also made posters for him. <laughs> I explained it. I was it. hoping. Yeah. <laughs> I also used to do a lot of postering. Yeah, so that I was part of what I pitched him was like, I poster, like I know how to poster. And so, and I also did graphic design, jack of many trades. So I branded him as the Van City Bachelor and I made posters for him. And I went to basically every yoga studio in Vancouver and put up posters. But the thing was, it was week to week, right? So I had to keep um, kind of coming up with new things to get him to keep paying me. (laughs) Um, And he was paying me well. I was happy with the the money. And but I did feel creepy about the bonus. The bonus felt a bit weird. Right. Yeah. And and it, it felt weirder the further that that we went. And so I would say peak peak weirdness was maybe the fifth or sixth week when he still hadn't start to have reoccurring dates with anyone I had introduced him to, and I thought he was going to fire me. I said. I will go to a speed dating night on your behalf. Whoa. (laughs) Because you're too busy and I will make little like flyer business cards about the Van City Bachelor. And I will just fully honestly explain how rich you are, (laughs) that I'm there on your behalf, like some sort of minion. Oh, minion. Yeah, uh, yellow. (laughs) And... uh, And I'll just be fully honest and I'll do that. And he was like, okay, that sounds great. So that got me another week, like working with him. And so I went to at least two different speed dating nights. I had never been to speed dating before. So I didn't know, oh, this is also a recurring theme. When I got to the speed dating, realized you have to pay to participate. I didn't know that. (laughs) And I was like, I'm not going to (laughs) pay to do this. So mistake on my part, instead of paying to join the speed dating night, I just sat on the other side of the velvet rope in this restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. With these flyers. Oh my God. And waited for women to go to the bathroom. At which point, because I had training to do this kind of street marketing thing. So when they would go to the bathroom, I would approach them and say, hi, I'm here for the speed dating night, but I'm not participating i'm also here on behalf of another person who's not here here's the flyer just so you can see who they are and uh, i would hand out these flyers at these speed dating nights um none of that worked (laughs) (laughs) and so desperation like a month and a half in because i thought for sure he's gonna fire me now a friend of mine in a band who i won't name had heard that i had this job and said, I think that I know someone who would go on dates with this man fraudulently and you could split the weekly bonus with them. Whoa. And at that point, the creepiness meter kind of peaked and I said, no, that's wrong. I don't want to do that. Okay. And so I didn't do that. 
And instead, I went to him and I said, I feel weird about the bonuses because the incentivizing thing is making me think of doing bad things, which is maybe a lesson about capitalism more broadly. And so I said, I don't want the bonus. I want to forego the bonus. And instead, I want you to figure out what the bonus is that you would have paid me and tell me what that number is. And he said, it's $5,000. (laughs) And so I said, okay, what I want to do is I want to take that $5,000 and I want you to set it aside, not for me, but for any person who introduces you to your future wife. And that was basically my job. But my thinking there was, I said, if you do that, I can start sending out press releases for you and I can pitch you in an endearing way where I can say, hey, you're someone who's struggled to meet people, you know, in bars and clubs. You haven't been able to find love. And there's other people out there who are like that. And maybe someone will hear that who's a friend of them and will say, oh, that's my, you know, that's my friend also is like that. They should meet them. And the reason it will be a press thing is because I want you to set aside that $5,000 so that whoever introduces you to that person, you will donate that $5,000 to a charity of their choice. It's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. But it's also <laughs> like a much more noble uh, way of doing things than like getting a bonus for him going on a second date. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think I wanted to go to the wedding. Like, <laughs> yeah, who fucking cares about his wedding? It's probably going to be super weird. So he agreed to do that. Um, and I sent out press releases. He was wow. in the Metro newspaper. This sounds familiar to me. Like when yeah. you say like the Van City Bachelor, I yeah. just tried to Google it. Because I was like, did I know about this? Like what year was that? This would have been 2007, 2008. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, he was on in Metro News nationally. And he was on CBC radio and he was on whatever, some AM radio thing. He did like several interviews and, uh, and then I set up an email for him and, um, people started emailing in and he did end up meeting someone who he went on several dates with and they passed a certain threshold, which he said, <laughs> he said, the test to know if someone can be married is to travel with them. So if I date someone for four weeks, I'm immediately going to take them on a vacation and that's how I'll know if I can marry them. So wow. he dated someone that I introduced him to for four weeks, who was a school teacher. I feel like I'll just say that. That won't. Well, there's lots of school teachers. And they went on a vacation after four weeks to Australia. Whoa, the furthest you can go <laughs> after a month. And I like that he was like, this is the ultimate bar to know if I can marry someone. And after that vacation, she determined that she wanted to break up with him. (laughs) Yeah. And I was let go and I never spoke to him again. I wish it had a happier kind of love ending. I don't because that's not a good good, way to meet people. Yeah, he sounds like not a good person. I don't think he deserves to find someone that way. I mean, unless he finds someone who's equally weird in the same way and like... He doesn't respect respect women. He doesn't see them as whole people. He sees them as like a 
puzzle piece or a, as like a business goal. <laughs> yeah, a function of life, a life goal, as opposed to, you know, a whole person with their whole life. So, yeah, we have to know who it is. So if you could put their name in the chat <laughs> so we can look them up, that would be great. Sean, your stories are so lovely. You should just have a storytelling night. For just for us, just the two of us, we would just show up, pull up rocking yeah. chairs. Just I tell me stories. Get a rooster puppet. Anyways, um, <laughs> do you want to move on to the segments? Let's do it. Okay. Um, wait, wait. Can I ask, even if you edit this out? Yeah. Is there something I should, I personally should have done differently in this, including just not doing the job? I think that you seem like, you know, in retrospect, very self-aware. Um, and I think, I mean, I haven't had a job like that. But there's one thing over the years I've really come to admire about you is how hard you've worked to have a job. You know, like you've tried a lot of things. And one of the you had this joke on your album that made me laugh so hard. And it was the is this the worst haircut you've ever had? <laughs> right. Um, I was part just of thinking this about bit. that one. Too. And how like just how good natured you are and how trusting you are and how sweet you are. But also how you kind of have this ability to draw out these life experiences through what seem like very kind of day-to-day behaviors, like looking for a job or uh, asking just one question. So, no, I don't think, A, I don't think that you did anything wrong by taking this job. And you were just a kid. Yeah, I, I genuinely thought that maybe he would fall in love and it would be a happy ending. But when I think of it now and tell the story, I'm like, that was creepy <laughs> well also yeah. like you've learned it's been a long time it's been 14 years you've learned a lot since then you have like you know the distance and the experience to look back and be like that was weird but also like knowing all the retail nightmare stories that you've told us and like knowing a bit about like the various different jobs you've had and the different work you've done and like the art that you do I feel like it all sort of fits in with with this weird job (laughs) because like you do like to like approach something that is a challenge and use like your skills like when you started talking I was like I bet he made posters and then when you're like I made posters (laughs) I was like yes like I probably saw one of those posters and also 14 years ago I don't think that really what you were doing was that unusual and Mm, it still isn't like there's a whole like 20 year library of the bachelor's show. Right. This is, this is culturally what he is doing is very common. Right. And you know, it's, I don't, I don't fault you for it. In fact, I think you probably made it a better experience all around. Yeah. The way, like the way that you sent out press releases and you made it sort of like centered around like a donation to charity rather than like personal gain and like creepiness like that. You're putting a good spin on it. Um, also I just, uh, rewatched all of sex in the city. So I am like (laughs) in that time mindset and the whole, like, you know, rich guys being gross and like desperate to get married. If any rich, gross guys are listening, uh, just uh, send me an email to uh, nightmares (laughs) at gmail.com. Um, (laughs) at, uh, Van City Bachelorette. Yeah, Van City Bachelorette. (laughs) But like, that's so common. You know, it's like having an assistant, like there's this one rich gross guy on the show who like he has three personal assistants and one of them is just his gift buyer you know it's like who just buys like fancy things for the girlfriends and for the people that he's sleeping with so it's like I don't think it's like that 
uncommon to have an assistant that's like to look after someone's like personal love right. life area. I agree that it's weird and gross. Could be weirder or grosser. Yeah. Like you could have, you could have, you know. You didn't make a career out of it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for absolving me. You're still you and you're a good person. So I, yeah. Yeah. Good person, bad job. Yeah. Um, should we do grandfather react? Sure. Mm. All right. Real palate cleanser. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're worried about, uh, you know, doing something that's evil, don't worry about that because I will now show you the true face of evil. And that is my grandfather. For the listener, if you want to see this photo, you can go to our Patreon. It's up there. If you can't afford to donate to the Patreon and you really want to see the picture, just message me and I'll send it to you. I don't want to, you know, withhold this experience from anyone. Um, And for our guest, Sean, this man uh, is long dead. He was not a good dude. Uh, Don't feel like you need to uh, be respectful. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He's my ancestor, but. He's a real, he's a real grosso. So I'll show you the picture and just have your natural reaction. Wow. Whoa. Wait, but there's which two, photo? There's two people. There's a, this is a side by side comparison. Um, you, you figure out which one's my grandpa. The one on the right, I hope. The one on the <laughs> left is Freddy Krueger. Yeah. <laughs> But it's as if they were separated at birth. So your grandfather was one of these people who smoked cigars right till the end. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know when he started, but uh, he was born in 1896. Wow. So real old guy. My like he was he was old when my dad was born and then my dad was old when I was born. So my grandfather was really old when I was around. And so if I'm to date these photos, because this will, this will affect my judgment, which photo came first? Like, is there any <laughs> chance that your grandfather was using Freddy Krueger as a style icon? Because that makes me feel differently. Yeah, he had a Pinterest. Set up. <laughs> um, let's see, when did Nightmare on Elm Street? Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. I was born in 86. This photo is from a party that I attended. So that this photo was probably 89. So, so it yeah. could have been. Freddy Krueger was like in pop culture by the time my grandpa uh, was looking like his doppelganger. But I think my grandpa looked like this for maybe a few decades before this photo was taken. Is this a fedora? It's a, a little fedora, yeah. 
It's hard to tell on the phone. My wife, Amanda, and I were trying to figure out, because we lived in L.A. last year, Fedora was like, where did that come from? And now I'm wondering if it started with Freddy Krueger. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasn't the Rat Pack. It was, uh, it was Freddy Krueger. I don't know. I mean, he looks like he's laughing. So I like that. Yeah. But he's probably laughing. Uh, like at, somebody fell down. Yeah. I was going to say at like someone else's Child fell down, pain, put their front teeth through their bottom lip. Or like <laughs> probably something sexist or racist. Because that's yeah. what kind of dude he Grump, was. Grump pair. What's in the uh, cup? What's in the cup? Uh, probably spiced rum. I don't know. Like, okay. what's, <laughs> I don't know. Peach Whiskey. schnapps. Yeah. Canadian club. I, I don't know. He's not, he like hung out a lot at the racetrack. He was like a. Um, he looks like he hung out a lot at the racetrack. Yeah. He was like yeah. a staple there. Could have haunted the racetrack. Maybe he still does. I don't go there. I That's wasn't. nice. That's a nice way to, to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is there? So I, I had a similar, none of my old people are around anymore, but I have a grandmother who's, you know, similarly complicated. Mm-hmm. Is there, is there, what's the one thing you loved about this man? Or is there something? Um, ooh. If you had to find him a wife, how <laughs> would you? I'd say, uh, he, he, <laughs> Oh, the, I'm going to stop sharing. <laughs> I can't look at it. I don't know. Like he abandoned his family and like all his children oh. in 1950. So I don't really love a lot of it. Like when my dad was five years old. So like, I really don't love anything about him. I would say, um, hmm. is there anything in yourself that you can see as coming from him that you like? absolutely not he died when i was like pretty young so i didn't really get to know him i mean like he had a he used to run a general store and then Mm. my dad was also a grocer and then i enjoy facing cans out in my own cupboard so maybe that's it yeah it's genetic yeah it's genetic i like organizing my my pantry anyway that's grandfather reaction sorry to make it dark no that was that was great. Yeah. When you first asked, speaking of creepy things, I think this is so creepy. But my first thought when you were like, is there anything like positive? I was like, he was like good at, he was like virile. I don't know. Like he had like. Oh, oh okay. I mean, he did wear a fedora. <laughs> my dad basically was the miracle baby because they, they thought they were done having kids. Like my dad was like, you know, 15 years younger than all of his older siblings. And so I was like, I guess he had good sperm. I don't know. Like it was sort of like they didn't. Well, that's a positive because then you wouldn't exist. Yeah. Eh, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Silver lining. Silver lining to every <laughs> scrotum. Um. <laughs> We're going to do Fanciest Animal. Yeah. What is the fanciest animal? Sean. I wonder if anyone has done this before. Bird of Paradise? Oh, I don't think we have. I always thought Bird of Paradise was um, a flower. I think it's a flower and also a bird. Isn't it the bird that does the little like complicated mating dance? Yes. Yeah. So this is a a deep cut for myself because uh, most people, at least who grew up getting educated in Canada, I think you can remember you had to do 
at some point presentations about animals. And Bird of Paradise was my first ever, like grade two or three, I did Bird of Paradise. Oh, right. So big poster board. Mm -hmm. I put up, glued a bunch of photos of Bird of Paradise. And I just loved some of these facts, um, which is that they have the most complicated mating dance, Mm -hmm. most intricate and complex. They're really stunning. The, The men are stunning, but then they're also one of the rare birds where certain species... The women have identically complex and beautiful plumage. Oh. So most birds, it's like the men are pretty and the Mm -hmm. women are plain. But this one, there's certain species where it's even. Mm -hmm. And I really like that the in the species where the men are the fancy ones, there's some species where some men give up. (laughs) Yeah. And they just do the mating dance beside the the one they think is hot. And they just kind of like build them up. They're like, I've got no chance. Yeah. Wingman. But look how beautiful. Oh, yeah. The wingman. They're like literal wingmen. They, uh, yeah, they just build up this guy and they're like, this guy's hot. Like, (laughs) go with him. And uh, yeah, they're just stunning. Yeah. the, The complexity. And then. Also, one of the rare um, weird facts about them is they were originally called the footless bird of paradise. But then eventually that was reneged and they realized it was because the first Europeans who like brought them back from the tropics to Europe to classify them had just cut the legs off. (laughs) And then so they were classified as this magical bird that had no legs and then at some point, maybe even like hundreds of years later, they were like, oh, no, they do have legs. Someone just removed them. Just one guy who was like, that was me. Yeah. Oops. Sorry, I got hungry. So then they got properly named just as the bird of paradise. And I've loved them since I was a, a little boy. I love their, their plumage when they're doing the dance. Like it's like bright blue on black, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of it almost looks like a face or like a mouth. Mm-hmm. There's a great BBC doc where they show how they'll like kind of create a stage for their mating yeah. dance where they'll like create these colors that sort of just complement and accentuate their own colors. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Yeah. It's really amazing. Birds are cool. Mm-hmm. No one's ever done that one before. No one's so. ever done that before. Yeah. No, great choice. Yeah. What about you, Alicia? Who's your fanciest um, animal? Iguana. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I fell down a bit of a Instagram iguana hole today and nice. there's found a new account to follow where you see iguanas really close up. He's a 14-year-old iguana. He, I think, may live in Japan. He is very loved. And uh, they are so... I don't know a lot about reptiles, but they're... Um, outside parts of their bodies are fascinating like he's got all these like bells and whistles i don't know what they do and like this flappy thing down here and then these huge round things on his cheeks that look like they are like separate but part of him and this beautiful tail and the squishy kind of body like almost like he's a bit chubby and then very hand-like paws Mm -hmm. and um i had a friend many years ago who had an iguana and he had to travel for work and he left his iguana at home with his girlfriend and the iguana took over the apartment. Whoa. And she was just living in the bedroom. Whoa. <laughs> he became very aggressive. Whoa. And I always think of that. 
Um, they're very territorial and they bond, I think, to one very similar to, to, to many animals will bond to one person or animal. Anyways, they're just really beautiful and such an incredible planet. And there's so much to learn. And that iguana was a reminder to me today that there's still so much to learn about. And uh, it was also, it's always really nice. Like I'm not a big fan of exotic pets, but I could see that this person was really honoring his life and really putting him mm -hmm. first and making sure he had lots of good things to eat. And he looked incredibly healthy and he's very much like a dog in the house. So, mm -hmm. I, you know, and they're massive. They're just beautiful and incredible. And I always have to remind myself that I don't know the story of, you know, how people get their pets when I see them on Instagram, but mm. yeah, mm -hmm. I felt like she really loved her iguana. So it was nice. I say iguana, fanciest animal for me today. How about you, Jessica? Totally. Um, I've probably said it before, but bat. <laughs> yeah, there's so many different mm. varieties of bat, too. I just love bats. Some um, of them are just like this big, like tiny. Yeah, and that's their full little. size. How amazing. They're like the size of a flower. Yeah. Full grown? I didn't know there were tiny bats. Yeah, there's like there's micro bats. Really okay. little ones. Um, my friend and former guest, uh, Regan Taylor, saw a bat in real life recently and she posted about it and it was you know a video of just like a thing moving very fast but i was like that's a bat that's so cool um yeah she hangs out in this one park or a few parks actually near uh, where she lives in hastings sunrise quite a lot around dusk and sunset and she's like i saw a bat and it just reminded me how cool they are uh, i have a, a plan to get a tattoo uh in the future that includes a bat um and i have like a tattoo artist set up but they're uh on the island and haven't been tattooing during the pandemic but like just made an announcement that like the books are opening back up and i was in contact and like it's still happening so like next time next time i'm over there or he's over here it's gonna happen so i've got like this like spot spot that i'm i'm saving for your bat tattoo for my little bat and i'm excited for it have you seen the viral video of how bats pee yeah they turn no. upside down or like they turn right side up yeah because <laughs> they're cool. normally upside down it's really cute because otherwise they just piss all over themselves <laughs> i love that there's it feels like there's been people advocating for bats more and more in the midst of coronavirus to kind of you know balance it out Right, yeah, because it's they've been, been a like brutal time for animals. Villainized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Animals are just doing what they do. Yes. And they don't, yeah, they, they don't know what they're doing. And they're just adorable. Like, I think bats are like flying puppies. That's what they look like to mm. me. Got <laughs> those little tongues. Like, they're so cute. So, yeah, absolutely. Team bat. Team bat. Team bat. Team bat. That should be the new podcast name. Team bat. Bat tat. You're going to get a bat tat. I'm getting it a bat tat. And I yeah. I used to have a rule that I was like, uh, no animal tattoos because I just love animals so much that I felt like if I opened the floodgates and I would just like want one of everything, you know, but that I broke that rule. I now have a many animals now. It's happening. I got a shark and then a snake and then there, I just got a bunch of little, little fish. So I have a hot dog. You have, you a have hot the word hot dog. <laughs> I have a hot dog. I thought I thought you were I thought you were subtly reminding us that you have a uh, Hank is very attractive. <laughs> Sean, let's talk about potatoes. 
Potato business. Do you cut it into fries? Do you bake it into pie? Potato business. Do you keep it in a bowl? Do you stick it in a hole? Potato business. What? So how this segment works is just sort of like a... <laughs> You know, an open discussion of like your your takes on potatoes. If you if you have any, if you're pro potato, anti potato, you know, potato remembrances. Deeply pro potato on my mm-hmm. father's side, Irish, so it's obligatory. And I'm hot off the potato press. Yesterday, we, I, I was camping. I guess two days ago. And yesterday, in one morning, I ate tiny potatoes that were cooked over the fire. I ate potato chips, and I ate French fries on the drive back from the camping in the span of like two hours. So I ate like kind of every sort of fried baked potato. Potatoes three ways. Um, I also started for the first time growing potatoes during the pandemic. Um, grew potatoes in uh, like a plastic uh, barrel that had previously been used to store industrial amounts of soap. <laughs> um, so you can put soil in the barrel and you can grow potatoes in the barrel. And now I'm growing them in the in the dirt. And uh, my friend who's growing potatoes in, in uh, our yard is growing them inside of like sort of a fence cylinder enclosure that has hay and mud in it. Um, I love potatoes. Yeah, team potato, team bat, team potato. Yeah, there's like potato experiments going on in your yard, sounds like. Yeah, they're also the first, whoa, I just remember this, first food I ever learned how to how to cook. Uh, a babysitter that I had when I was very young showed me how to like chop and fry potatoes and make my own french fries and I thought that she was magical because I love french fries and then I learned how to make them myself that's like a good babysitter like really it's good to teach children how to do something yeah yeah sure um Jessica do you have any potato business oh sorry Sean go ahead well has anyone been anti-potato uh Jessica's not really pro-potato I'm not anti-potato I just don't like buy them or make them myself but this last week I uh, tried food from a restaurant that I had not been to before I had tried to go before it's like in my neighborhood I don't know I can just say it I don't have to keep it a secret it's called Salmon and Bannock oh yeah and mm-hmm. it's not far from where I live and I had tried to go there before like pre-pandemic but it's a very small place so like it books up really quickly um, but I had forgotten because I just like I'm never on it's on Broadway and I never walk down Broadway because it's so loud. Um, but I was like, oh, we could get takeout from there. And I tried it. Delicious. Uh, and one of the sides was potatoes. So I got like potato wedges and they were sort of like battered. Mm-hmm. Crispy. BBS. Delicious. So good. Yeah, I'm pro potato. I just like I have a tiny kitchen. I don't really have like 
a room room for like a bag of potatoes in my right. pantry, so I just don't buy them for myself. But I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm anti-potato. I'm also just like I didn't grow up eating potatoes. We were like a, more of a rice family, so that's just what I what I I think of when I think yeah. of like a, a starchy grainy thing. Um, also, whenever I buy chips, I just buy corn chips. So hmm. I praise the corn lord. Fascinating. But I, I respect your potato business. The corn lord. I also love that potatoes have like a doll. Like I don't think there's any other vegetable that has a like Mr. Potato Head is who I'm referring to. Mm-hmm. Um, I just imagine you playing with a potato. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can make a doll out of a corn cob. It's Ooh. a cabbage patch kid. <gasps> cabbage patch kid. Yes, you're right. Okay. Dr. Carrot. This is strawberry. Never mind. Oh yeah, strawberry um, okay. What about you? Any any potato business for you? Well, you know that I love my air fryer, and I don't know if Sean knows this, but um, baby potatoes in the air fryer is so great. And uh, the other day, I was very hungry, and uh, over the course of an evening, ate an entire bag of baby potatoes, like one of those sort of grocery size, probably you know, for a family of four. Um, they're just delicious. Salt and pepper, butter. It's great. Just love potatoes. And you know, it's never going to change. I'll always yeah, I don't be, think so. be crazy about them. And it's potato anyway. It's a life, lifelong friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking I... of friendships. Oh, wait, Sean, were you going to say something? No, no, no. <laughs> just gonna sing some more potato praises just that I tried chips yesterday that had no salt which I had potato chips with no salt that I had no never... salt or low salt literally no salt Miss wow. Vicky's with no salt and it's potato blast it was potato blast but maybe it kind of exposed a bit of the lie of how great potatoes are because it was sort of like eating an itch that you can't scratch. Mm. Like I just kept eating them, waiting for the salty one. Yeah. And it didn't yeah. come. Weird. I like the low sodium ones because you can really taste the potato. Mm-hmm. But it needs salt. Yeah. Otherwise, yes. you're just tasting the weird oil that they cook everything in. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah. Yeah. Which has sometimes a very powerful and off putting flavor. You just reminded me that I ate a bag of potato chips this week as well. Sorry. Sorry. No, it was good. <laughs> I had forgotten. I thought my most recent potato was the potato wedges, but I I went canoeing on Burnaby Lake for former guest Adrian LaBelle's birthday. And um, I didn't really think like of how much work canoeing is. I hadn't been canoeing mm. since I was like a teen. And so I was like, yeah, I'll bring, I'll bring some snacks. And I just brought a box of banana pocky. And then that's like, you know, not filling at all. But then uh, I brought a box of air. Basically, I was like, oh, this will be a fun treat. And then I was like, you know, two and a half hours of canoeing and I was starving. But then um, my bandmate, Christina, was like, oh, yeah, I have this bag of like salt and vinegar mm. chips. And uh, I think I ate most of it by myself. And it was like a, <laughs> a sharing bag. But uh, it happens. It happens to the best of us. Such a novelty. Like, I never think to buy potato chips, but... Only if other people have them. I'm like a potato um, leech. <laughs> <laughs> potato leech. I'm a potato leech. Um, speaking of leeches, 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's time for Pupo of the Week. Yeah. <laughs> Pupo of the Leech. Sean, who's your Pupo of the Leech? <laughs> my Pupo of the Leech. I think it's going to have to be just my own Pupo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who you saw, you know, when we started this call. And the reason is that we went camping two nights ago. And in an adorable but sort of sad way, we realized how emotionally dependent he's become on us. Because for the first time in a year since we went camping last summer, he was around other people, like not just my wife and I. And he was so nervous and emotionally fixated on us um, that he had to sleep inside my wife's sleeping bag with her. Oh, wow. Like holding her. Because he was so just scared. I, I don't even know yeah. why. But yeah, he's just become so emotionally dependent because we've been with him every day for a year and he's not used to that. But he loves mm-hmm. it. It's going to be tough. Like Hank is more, he is is the same. Like I had like some delivery people come in and out of the house over the weekend and he was pretty shook for a couple of hours. And like there was a new piece of furniture, which I've realized freaks him out. Like because this whole environment is this home and then the kind of like two kilometers radius around it. Like we've been trapped here for a year and a half. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he's also my puppo of the week. And it's, you know, like their worlds are even smaller than they were before. So they really need us. So mm-hmm. yeah, I get it. Jessica, who's your puppo? Uh, my Papa of the Week is a former guest who I've already mentioned on this episode, Kelly Ogmanson's cat, Bruce. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what a looker. He is, he's a tuxedo man, or he's, he's less, less tuxedo, maybe more, more of a cow cat. I think he's been a Papa of the Week before, but I saw him last week because we're like allowed to socialize now, kind of, which is... yeah kind of mind-blowing it feels like it's too soon or like i thought we were gonna have to wait but they're like nope you can just do it and just don't be an idiot i guess Mm. so yeah like went (laughs) over to another person's home and watched a movie and it like nice that is what i was missing most basically was just like hanging out having like the most low-key time (laughs) just indoors though i'm so bad at being outdoors (laughs) for like extended periods of time. Uh, And Bruce, again, like what both of you were talking about with your dogs, um, he's like much, uh, he's much more like snuggly now. Like he's like when Kelly first got him, like, you know, it took him a while to, to warm up to, you know, how many times we just want to sit and watch movies on the couch. But like he sat beside Jay the whole time and like let Jay pet him. And it was very cute. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Bruce. Bruce Ogmanson is my pup of the week. <laughs> Bruce Lovely. I love him. So Sean, you have a new album. It's your first album. I'm not sure what should I say. Is it your new album? Your new first album? New first album. New first album. Uh, Jessica and I got to listen to it today. It's so incredibly funny, and we are going to play a clip of it at the end of the show. Yeah, I want to find you online they want to watch your work they want to see you do stand-up they want to buy your album how do people do this sean devlin dot website <laughs> <laughs> <Perfect>. so great <laughs> 
and is there's links to everything there like if people want to see the movie that you've made recently and yeah everything's up there yeah cool. it's it's a new I, I i didn't have a website until a few weeks ago and now oh, i wow. do and so i'm advertising it <laughs> sean devlin dot website it's a great so funny it's a great url and the album is it out digitally or is there like a physical release as well or there's going to be cds that you can okay. order i don't know why anyone would do that i don't even know how i would play a cd but cars, i guess yeah, yeah cars okay so, <laughs> buy yeah. a car go buy a car yeah go buy a car <laughs> buy an old car though <laughs> Go yeah. to Ford.website and <laughs> buy a car oh, and then okay. go to my website. Okay. This is all just an elaborate <laughs> thing to sell more cars. Yeah. Everything is just a thing to sell cars, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, you can order it now without getting it. Pre-order. Seems like a scam, but it's not. <laughs> uh, and then you can actually get it on July 9th. Cool. Oh, great. Well, this will be out. When does this come out? This will be out like right before then. So perfect, perfect booking. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Uh, Alicia and I both listened to it and I was there for one of the tapings of it. So I had heard it all before, but it's the sort of like you really take the listener on a journey and there's so many twists and turns and little side stories that like, even though I had heard it before, it w- felt like it was all fresh and I was laughing out loud it was great oh thank yeah, you absolutely. thanks for coming it was <laughs> it was the perfect uh, soundtrack to my very frustrated cleaning of my window and the the track i think that you're gonna play there's mm. actually i'm just realizing this might be totally out of place but it's related a bit to your salt and vinegar chips story oh yeah which is that um that track is about me working at Wendy's and being supervised by a fellow teenager. And <laughs> I just feel like any situation in which teenagers are responsible for other teenagers is going to end in disaster. And that's actually the reason that I still to this day can't eat salt and vinegar chips. Oh, Is that when I was 13, my parents let my 15-year-old friend who played on my soccer team babysit me. Uh-oh. And the first thing he did when he came over and my parents were gone was he found this giant bag of like family value pack salt and vinegar chips. And he (laughs) took me to a park and we went into the woods like murderers and (laughs) hid in the woods and ate this entire bag of chips. And when my parents came home, I was vomiting terribly. Oh, wow. That's too much vinegar. I still, to this day, can't eat salt and vinegar chips. So don't let teenagers be responsible for other teenagers. Oh, that's a good point. I love the like hiding in the woods element of it. Like that seems like unnecessary. (laughs) I like at 13, you still needed a babysitter. Yeah. I mean, clearly. That's always just the, an older one, I guess. The worst. Yeah. yeah. I remember when I was, I babysat uh, two kids for like a summer because both of their parents were working and they, they weren't in any classes or anything. And they were almost teens. Like they were, I think they were maybe like 12, 12 and 13. And I was probably like 15. So it did, it really, you could tell that they really resented that I needed to be there. And I tried, I tried to be fun, but it was like only one of them would like me at a time, not both. (laughs) 
it was rough. And then like uh, because I worked in the same neighborhood that they lived in, I would see them like also working and I'd be like, that's weird that I was your babysitter, huh? Like <laughs> you work at the movie theater across from where I work. We're equals now. Story. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I, I was in charge of you. Whoops. You always have that one night when you were the boss. Yeah. yeah. Lord it over them. Yeah. Please don't ask me to babysit anyone <laughs> this is a, an official announcement i don't want to babysit anyone yeah no it's it's a dog or cat mm, well um well this has been retail nightmares podcast uh jessica if people want to buy stuff where do they do that if people want to get some merch you can buy a tote bag or some some other stuff at retailnightmares.bigcartel.com if you want to see the photo of my grandfather that Sean reacted to earlier <laughs> um, you can go to patreon.com slash retail nightmares and there's a bunch of other bonus things on there like bonus episodes you can get soundtracks and stuff um, or just message me if you're if you're uh, hard up these days I, I know how it is I have not had a job in six months Hey, um, and yeah, uh, that's, that's all I've got to plug right now. Perfect. Everyone just, uh, like pre-order Sean's album. It's the best. Yeah, you won't be disappointed. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. This evening. And we look forward to seeing you in person sometime in the next six months. We're, we're just so proud of you. We think, <laughs> we, we think you're such an incredible person. And thank you for joining us. Uh, and to our listeners, we love you. Take care. Pandemic's not over. Please don't forget that. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Good night. Also, Bye. everyone enjoy this little clip. Yeah. From Sean's album, Now. Do we have any King Philip II of Spain fans here tonight? <laughs> no? Well, if you don't know, King Philip II of Spain inherited the keys to the world's largest empire, when he was just 16 years old. He wasn't ready. <laughs> when I was 16, I was a grill cook at a Wendy's and my supervisor was my best friend. He was also 16. <laughs> and he was also a drug dealer. <laughs> and we once smoked so much weed inside the meat freezer that we lost the keys to the meat freezer. What I'm saying is if you have two modern 16-year-olds with the internet and like sophisticated educations and they can't even be trusted with the keys to just a cold room full of meat <laughs> without going so mad with power <laughs> that they break all the golden rules associated with their title. If you're not familiar, the golden rule of drug dealing don't get high on your own supply. <laughs> Golden rule of supervising a meat locker, keep it frozen and accessible. <laughs> so King Philip was, was too young, and he actually had more than any one person had ever had before. But he kept going out and trying to conquer places. He actually conquered the Philippines, and that's why we're called Filipinos. Yeah. Because he sent his soldiers out, and they came back, and they were like, hey, we found this place. There's 7,000 different islands, hundreds of different languages and religions, all these different plants and animals we've never seen before. It's stunning. 
And King Philip just went, huh, you know what that reminds me of? Me. 